Calling all Swifties and champions of change, Like a Girl Media is rolling out the red carpet for you with our Thrive Like a Girl contest. We're all about celebrating powerful women leaders who inspire us to dream big and push boundaries. And who embodies that spirit more than Taylor Swift herself? Here's your chance to see her live in concert. We're giving away two tickets to Taylor Swift's show in London on Saturday, June 22nd. Imagine being part of the magic, all thanks to Like a Girl Media. Entering is easy. Subscribe, share, and show us which episodes inspired you the most. Visit our website or check our social media for all the details. Don't just dream it, be it. Thrive like a girl and make this summer unforgettable. Contest opens globally. Voidware prohibited. Must be 18 or older to enter. No purchase necessary. Subscribe and share with hashtag thrive like a girl and tag us at like a girl underscore media for entry. Unlimited entries means unlimited chances. Winner chosen at random after contest closes May 20th, 2024. We'll be notified via DM. Make sure your profiles are not private. Check full rules on our site. This is your shot to see Taylor Swift live. Don't miss it. This episode is brought to you by Chirpy Bird, Inc. CMS's Merit-Based Incentive Payment System, or MIPS, is super complex. And if clinicians ignore the program or perform poorly in it, it can result in a hit to their revenue and reputation. Chirpy Bird is proud to say that more than 95% of its clients are exceptional performers in MIPS, meaning they've maximized the score that directly translates into their Medicare reimbursement rate. Chirpy Bird offers their audit-proof services to practices of all sizes through an affordable monthly subscription that includes unlimited access to a regulatory expert who guides them in knowing what data to track, how to create workflows that make capturing that data easier, and ensures that they submit it all to CMS on time and performing at its best. Contact Chirpy Bird today or learn more at chirpybirdinc.com. That's chirpybirdinc.com. Uh, welcome to the Hit Like a Girl podcast. My name is Joy Rios, and on our show, we talk about the complexity of healthcare and health IT. We talk a lot about how healthcare is like a 30,000 piece puzzle, and each one of us holds a piece of it, and we try to learn from one another and share our expertise. So, on today's show, we have a very special guest, and I'd like to give you a moment to introduce yourself. Thank you. My, my name is Monica Barbjörk. I'm the CEO and founder of Cure4U, a digital health company. Um, be, I'm a physician from Denmark, that's the accent. Um, really been focused in the last 20 years on how do we use technology to improve the patient and provider um, interaction when they're not together. So really on how do we empower the patients when they're at home. Well, I'm sure that that's come into play a lot within the last couple of years. Can you like so how old is your company and how has it even changed I guess through the pandemic in that through that lens? Well, I mean, I created our first company was in Denmark in 2001. We created the first patient portal in the world. Okay. Wow. So I've been at it a long time. <laughs> I'm sure you've seen it change quite a bit. Uh, what, did yes. the, what did the first patient portal in the world look like? Yeah, well, and that name wasn't there back sure. then, right? Sure. <laughs> but it was really like, um, how do we, it was communication, it was scheduling, prescription refill, a lot of like sending data to patients back and forth. And uh, it also turned into be a little bit of personal health record okay. um, for patients in Denmark. And we had 30% of the population uh, using our platform. So really a collaboration tool. Wow. Um, but Denmark is a tiny little country. I mean, I love it. But, What's uh, the population there? 5.5 million. Okay. 
Smaller so, than Los Angeles. Yeah. Okay. Um, so we came over here. Okay. Um, and um, started up over here in um, in fifteen, um, and now we um, we're across the U.S. and we have twenty thousand something users, um, not patients, providers uh, using our tool. Gotcha. And, uh, it really um, over here started more with like the optimization of workflows, the digital check-in, stuff like that was kind of initially, and we've done telehealth and remote page monitoring for 10 years. Oh, wow. But people were like, oh, yeah, not really. And then COVID hit, and then yeah. all of a sudden. <laughs> and I think the biggest change with COVID was that the the fear of this from the providers of like using tools like that with patients actually went away. Well, they and had they, to do it. There was became a, yeah. a, a not a choice, right? Right. You have to do something. Yeah. yeah. And so that kind of like changed the whole dynamic, and people are like now seeing, well, there's opportunities instead of like, ah, oh, that's new. I don't want to do this. Right. Uh, so so it's that's why we're seeing this acceleration now, in my opinion, of, of all the digital health tools out there. Well, so then what have the iterations been, or at least maybe even in the last couple of years, what have been the biggest changes in care for you? Um, I think um, the really the, the, the looking at the entire patient journey and not just focusing on getting pre-registration forms. Okay. Um, so people are now more looking at this as a care strategy, like really like how do I, as an organization, look at the entire care journey for my patients and how to make sure that that is a personalized, um, easy to use experience for patients, but that is also branded as an organization. So people really see this, our organization see this as a, as a really strategic tool. And so I think that's the biggest change from okay. like before it was like, oh, I have a need here, I have a need here. Now they, they have a strategy, right? They're really looking at a platform. Play. One thing I've been thinking about is the patient journey. Like how long of the patient journey are you capturing within the patient portal? I mean, is it, it's not, it's visit by visit, but also in between? Yeah, so, I mean, we don't really do a patient portal okay. anymore. All that's gone. Uh -huh. gotcha. uh, you don't log in. That's not what people do anymore. It's um, you, 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 you capture the patient where they are, and sometimes it's a text message, sometimes it's an app. Some, it really depends on the patient. Okay. So multiple touch points. Um, but it's, it is the entire journey. That could be very long. If you have a chronic disease, it's a year-long journey. It goes on, right? But it can also be a procedural care that is just a, a month or so. Okay. Um, so the tools are out there now today that you can really create a personalized experience around that patient um, and where they are in their journey. And really trying to engage with them, to your point, around it's text messaging, it's emails, yeah. it's, and it sounds like it must be um, engagement in the sense of uh, questions and answer. Like, how do you get them to, are they interacting with you or is it more of a push and then they're just like uh, listening. Oh no, it's absolutely interactive. It's it's bi-directional, but I mean the, the thing is that it comes from their provider. Okay. Right. So it's not us. It's yeah. the provider. And so um, and once things are coming from a provider and it's 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 really personalized from their provider. They people patients do it. I mean sure. they love it. Uh, well they, yeah so for example I mean I um with my doctor there is um well, of my age, right? So things that show up in my portal or that I get notified about have to do with me as a woman of a certain age and things that I might be thinking about. I might be thinking about or, you know, I might want to explore. Is, is that like um, resources that you might off, like offer up to the providers to share with their patients? It really depends on the individual provider organization and what their focus is. Okay. And some are more in that direction. 
Um, some have risk-based contract, value-based care, like, and then they're much more the kind of like, how do we optimize that care like as a package more or less? Yeah. <laughs> and the other ones that are more like fee-for-service are thinking more, alrighty, well, I need to make sure that for the next visit, that patient is now better than last time, right? So it's, but using technology to then empower the patient to know what they need to do at home. Yeah, I'm really interested, if you don't mind my asking, the difference between um, the Danish market and yeah. here, um, and like, are the words fee-for-service and value-based care even in the language over there? Is that something that you guys talk about in those terms? Well, it is, um it's, it is a, a one-payer system, right? But right? it is still fee-for-service. Okay. Um, and so um, it's actually fairly similar to over here. I mean, the, the complexity of like how, having multi-payer is not there. Um, but it's still fee-for-service. There's some value-based care, not too much. There's less um, reporting, um, although it, it's coming okay. more and more. <laughs> so um, everybody wants data. Uh, yeah. And so. <laughs> that data is yeah. the king, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but it's interesting because Denmark was really the first country to do anything in this area, but they fell behind. Okay. And so now it's actually in the US where we see uh, things are moving much faster than, than the rest of the world. Interesting. Yeah. Wow. Well, you've been in, in healthcare for a long time, obviously, right? If this, if you were the founder of Cures for You, can you tell me a little bit more about your personal journey? Like, is this something that you thought you were going to do when you were? Absolutely you know, not. Okay, yeah, yeah. What did what did ten year old you think you were going to do? So both my parents are physicians, so and they were. It was more like that path, both surgeons, and so I was like on the road to be a surgeon as well, um, doing a PhD. Um, and um, then they put me in the basement of the, of the hospital in a single room and said I was going to do labs. That's not me. Okay. And so at the same time, my mom was um, actually, she did the first website in Denmark with online scheduling and secure messaging. Really? And, Your and mom was then, like a coder or programmer? <laughs> no, way? but or she really? had problems in figuring it out, right? She, she sure. had a vision. Uh-huh. Um, and so I was like, well... If she has that need, maybe a lot of others have. And then I was like, well, let's build a system for that. And so, and yeah. So it was, How old it was, were you in that, if you don't mind my asking, like at what age were you just like, I am going to take that on. I'm going to learn that as a skill. Uh, well, I didn't build the, we didn't do the coding ourselves, right? But we, I kind of, I called my husband and said, like, why don't we quit our jobs and do this? <laughs> <laughs> and we had two little kids and just bought a house. It was crazy. Yeah. Uh, so we were like late 20s and so, um, Anyway, um, it, it went well. <laughs> that's a wonderful. And it's been a lot of fun. Yeah, but I mean, that's a conversation that's been showing up lately a lot of like, how do you find the courage to do something like that? Where it's like, that's a big leap of like, okay, I have two kids and a husband and we're both going to quit our jobs and just take it on, take on this big thing. Yeah. Well, I think it's a personality thing. I'm, Fair. I, I don't... I, I, take a lot of risk in my yeah. personal life. <laughs> Not with my family, we've like been together forever and I've worked with my husband now for more than 20 years. Oh my goodness. So, um, but um, for, for this, yes. I mean, uh, it's not really. Um, it's yeah. kind of a way of life in a way. You're just like. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah I, I think that know. there's something to be said for like a healthy amount of um, being scared, right? Of just like not knowing what you're doing and then forcing yourself to figure it out. Yeah. <laughs> And I think, um, I mean, we were young. I mean, it was just like, this is fun, let's just try it. Yeah. Um, so we didn't know what we were doing at all. And I think 
I think sometimes you just have to jump into it. If you, if you have a vision and you have a passion, um, that's what drives a new company. Mm -hmm. It's not all the other things. Uh, you'll push through that. Uh, you'll find the way to push through. Um, but you have to have the passion, absolutely. 100%. And the energy. <laughs> a lot of work. <laughs> <laughs> well, so if it started out as a family business, how big are you guys now? How does it? Um, I think we're around 70 people now. Um, had a CSB round last year, growing a lot. So, um, yeah, it's fun. <laughs> That's really great. Well, I'd like to ask um, what advice would you give to your younger self? Maybe pick an age, maybe in your early 20s. Like, what do you think she would have needed to hear in order to kind of maybe skip some of the challenges that you faced? I think um, trusting yourself more. Mm. Um, and I think maybe it's also a little bit a woman thing. Yeah. Like, kind of um, stepping back a little bit too much. Um, and I think um, at some point, um, actually more over here, um, I said, now I'm going to take the leadership on and I'm going to follow my gut and I, I know better than anybody else um, what we need to do as a company and what works. And, and I think you really need to do that. Um, I could have done that early on. Yeah. Well, and also being the leader of your organization, being able to trust yourself, you get to also be the decision maker, yeah. right? So if other people are not necessarily seeing the same things that you're seeing, um, you might not have to fight for it, right? Like. Yeah. Well, and, and, and the thing is that kind of like when you take on that leadership hat and you, you do it, it's actually everybody's following along and they're like, they like it. I'm like, oh, right. Yeah. <laughs> so it makes things easier. Yeah. I think I maybe sometimes, I, I, we are very flat organization, very collaborative, but there needs to be some leadership. Um, and so, um, but I think also from a partnership and using consultants and all that stuff, like, I mean, at the end of the day, we in our company knows best because we work really closely with our customers and <laughs> listening to our customers is where it's, we need to go mm -hmm. um, and I think early on we also had all kind of advice about we had to do this and we had to go out here but at the end of the day it's your passion your customers you know you know best what you need to do absolutely and lately I've been sort of uh, thinking about long term of like okay where do I want to land where do I want to be in, in my career path and understanding that there's not a map there's not someone that's going to hand you a map and say this is the route that you need to take and being able to have trust in myself and the courage to just keep going, yeah. right? Yeah. And like listen to it, it will show itself. Yeah. And I'm sure that listening to your customers and listening to the market need yeah. is similar for you. Yeah. yeah. Plus what we do is so cut and edge that nobody's done it before, so it doesn't help us to go out in the market. Good right? point, <laughs> yeah. So what do you think is the most cutting edge thing that, that you all do? Um, we, we, do a, we do it as a like the, we look at the journey, we have a platform, okay. Play, all right, and so and we really focus on helping the providers be best at their business, um, and we're very good at then figuring out how we have a consumer angle on that that then supports the providers' business. Um, I think um, having the kind of like understanding that and not, I think a lot of businesses out there are either too much consumer or too much providers and not understanding how you can put this together uh -huh. um, as a tool and we've been really good at, at doing that so far. Well then, so tell me about that, so how has the patient and provider you know, encounters or face-to-face -face encounters sort of changed through working with you? Yeah, no, it's, it's a great uh, question. So um, 
we there's a lot of things you can outsource yeah. <laughs> to patients, yeah. right? Um, there, are, there are a lot of uh, reporting that needs to happen. Um, there are a lot of things tick the box that needs to happen for like during a visit. Mm-hmm. Um, all of that can be pre-filled by a patient so that when the doctor and the patient is together, um, they can focus on what is really the issue or the problem, the challenge that that patient has today. That's one aspect. The other aspect is like, the, all the home monitoring devices, remote monitoring, the capturing of data at home um, gives the provider a whole new view of what is a patient, right? Mm-hmm. Because all of a sudden, I don't need to spend my time, and it sounds negatively, but it's like interviewing the patient to try to sure. figure out sure. <laughs> what's going on. I can look at trends, and all of a sudden I can say, huh, I see these trends of what you've been reporting at home, and now we can have a conversation that. And that is also educational for the patient because the patient now gets a better understanding of like, oh, yeah, well, I actually have more pain in the morning or my blood pressure is going up and down or when I have these things. And we can start to understand more what's going on with the patient. And I think that's a big differentiator that we're seeing this, this shift we're seeing um, in healthcare now is being more about the patient data reported from home. Yeah which it should be. We are home more than we are in the office, right? <laughs> well, what is the, some of the patient uh, remote monitoring, monitoring that they're using? Because I think that a while ago, and we're talking years, it used to be like, well, what are you going to do with Fitbit data? Like, what does your doctor really need to know about how many steps have, you take? I'm not a big believer in that yeah. stuff. <laughs> and that's not really what you're talking about. No, no. So what kind of monitoring um, are patients doing? That they're like, What type of information are they sharing? Um, there's like there's different sides. There for the chronic condition, the the, the the blood pressure devices or the home monitoring devices, and and that's really now we've done this for ten years. Finally, at a point where those devices are solid yeah. uh, and good and easy to use, and so that data flow can be stable to the physician. Um, we capture patient reported data like pain. Um, it can be all kind of like mood, um, okay. mobility. Um, so it's really like there's no limit. What we do is we, we typically walk into a, a working with a healthcare and say, like saying, what do you really need to know about that patient? Right. And, and so it doesn't need to be a device. You can ask questions to a patient and you can, you can map that out. Um, it can be screening questionnaires. We do a lot of that as well for patient report outcome measuring. Mm-hmm. So it depends on the, on the organization. Um, and it's still early days. I mean, yeah, sure. we're really trying to figure out more and more. It's smaller pieces, like what do we get? And, and focusing on not asking too much. I mean, sometimes the organization is like, I want to know it all. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it's too much, right? You're overwhelming the physician and you're tiring out the patient. They don't want to report all that. So. I understand. I like the idea of being really specific about, okay, what is it that you care about? And let's get really laser in, like laser in on those things. Yeah. And then I'm sure that the patients also feel more taken care of and that they're having richer conversations that are more relevant to them as individuals yeah. versus just maybe having the same conversation or like feeling like they have to catch up between if you know from in between visits yeah. like depending on how often they see a provider. Yeah. I think um I mean we uh, a good friend of mine that is also um, one of our customers um, he's always talking about the six minutes you have as a physician with your patient a week. And so I'm like, okay, how can I give you one minute back? I mean, one minute more. Yeah. <laughs> Take away yeah. some, that could be a conversation. That's a lot of time. That is a lot of time. Um, so, uh, and helping the patient, giving that a little bit more 
interaction, which I think will help with burnout as well um, from the physician, because that's why, that's why we become doctors. It's not to sit and report, it's to help people. Um, so we got to find a way, how do we get back to that? Yeah, well, I don't know that anybody wants to be just like in their computer all day. It's no. that one-on-one -on -one interaction of really trying to learn yeah. about an individual and their problem and try to support yeah. them and help them through it. Yeah. Yeah. Another thing that is happening as well is, and I think we'll see in healthcare now, where we are the only, I mean, one of the only industries that have not really folk found out how to have a remote workforce, right? Mm -hmm. And we need to. Right. Everybody else after COVID has like, we have like hybrid, <laughs> you can work from home some days and you can be in, but healthcare is still like, no, 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 we got to be together with the patient, but really you do not. Yeah. Uh, and so I, I think we're going to see a lot there where you can have maybe, maybe you cut your front desk staff into half and two thirds of those work from home. Mm -hmm. And they can prep the patients, they can do all that. And so um, you can have MAs that do data reconciliation and review the data at home and some that measure blood pressure in the office, right? So there are ways um, to use technology that is brand new that um, I think we, we have to look at and see how we can kind of reinvent how we work, um, like really the processes um, you know, you know, I like that. Decisions. I like that. That's the, and I haven't heard that idea of being able to well allow healthcare workers some flexibility yeah. in where they're working because we do need to address burnout yeah. and there has to be another answer. Like yeah. it can't just be one size fits all. That, yeah. that, and so I never can. I can sit at home one day, and physicians sit at home with a telehealth, right? Just one day, I can be at home, right? Yeah. yeah. And I can be dressed in whatever from here down. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <And I can laughs> up top, castle at the bottom. <laughs> but it, I mean, it's nice to have yeah. a day in, uh, during the week where you work from home. Right? Yeah, 100%. 100%. I work from home, and I'm a big proponent of it. Yeah. Um, well, if people want to work with you or find you, where would you recommend that they look? How could they get in touch? Um, go to our website, um, cureforyou.com. It's a little complicated. It's a Q-U-R-E, the number for the letter U.com. Okay. And are you on socials? Can they find you on the social media as well? We are on social as well. Okay. Instagram, Facebook, and all. Okay. And LinkedIn if they want to <laughs> connect LinkedIn with you in personally. Well. Yes. Okay, wonderful. Well, thank yeah. you for joining me today. It's thank been a real pleasure. Me. And thanks for watching Hit Like a Girl podcast. And uh, you can follow us on Hit Like a Girl pod uh, on any of the social media or go to our website, just add .com to the end. Thank you. I'm Joy Rios. Hit Like a Girl podcast is a proud member of the Health Podcast Network. One thing I love about working with them is that they're mission-driven, which means that they're dedicated to featuring authoritative shows, hosts, and guests who take on the tough topics in healthcare with empathy, expertise, and a commitment to excellence. If you're looking for bingeable content related to the healthcare industry, they've got more than 8,000 episodes on demand waiting for you. From professional development, the patient voice, digital health, innovation and entrepreneurship, and of course, health IT, they've got you covered. So this is your official invitation to check them out at healthpodcastnetwork.com.